نزل فيه القرآن هدى للناس وبينات من الهدى والفرقان فمن شهد منكم الشهر فليصمه ومن كان مريضا أو على سفر فعدة من أيام أخر يريد الله بكم اليسر ولا يريد بكم العسر ولتكملوا العدة ولتكبروا الله على ما هداكم ولعلكم تشكرون اللهم اجعلنا من الشاكرين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي فالحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاه والسلام على سيد الانبياء والمرسلين وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين اما بعد everyone السلام عليكم ورحمه الله تعالى وبركاته uh, it feels like i was here just uh, yesterday but Year goes by quick, huh? Mashallah. Um, I pray that all of you are doing well and that you are, your families are in the best of health and best of iman. And I also pray that we make the most of this Ramadan and it's the best Ramadan of our lives. Um, typically, before Ramadan, we have you know, these welcome Ramadan type programs and we uh, give almost uh, identical kinds of reminders about how we need to mentally prepare ourselves and make the most of this month. That's, this is not going to be one of those talks. So uh, what I decided to do, there, there, you know, when it comes to the concept of tazkiyah, I have a certain view on the concept of tazkiyah. Tazkiyah in Arabic, the simple English meaning would be purification. And of course, the month of Ramadan is an attempt for us to purify our hearts and purify our connection with Allah, right? But there are two kinds of purification. There is spiritual purification, the purification of the heart, and there's also the purification of our understanding, the purification of the mind, right? And... Um, I think that you are going to hear a lot and benefit a lot from reminders that already talk about the purification of our hearts and the kind of ibadat, the kind of istighfar, the kind of qira'ah, the kind of you know, good deeds that we're going to do that help towards tazkiyatul qulub. But the session that I want to have with you today is actually more focused on tazkiyatul uqul. It's, it's focused on the, the cleansing of our thoughts and our understanding of what it is that we're about to celebrate in the month of Ramadan. Uh, I'll also say that I've talked about this, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been giving lectures on the Qur'an for over 20 years, and I think I've given a lecture about Ramadan every year for 20 years. Uh, so there's plenty of this out there, but I don't think I've taken this approach that I'm about to take tonight in any of the last 20 years. So it's, uh, it's something that I've been thinking about more recently, and I think it's absolutely necessary for especially young Muslims, but even old alike, but especially young Muslims, to have some of this education as part of their core education. So I pray Allah gives me clarity in speech, and you're able to take something meaningful with you that you can keep for yourselves and also share with family and friends. Okay, having said all of that, um, it is my uh, absolute conviction that the, the, the Qur'an from Fatiha to Nas like Fatiha is surah number one, Baqarah is surah number two, Al-Imran is surah number three, we all know that it was not revealed in this order, right? Uh, so this, the question then is, why is it in this order? And it is, uh, without making a lecture about that, I've given entire courses about that, but I just want to share with you what I believe about that, because that will impact how I talk about today's subject. What I believe about that is, this is Allah's design. This is not a human design, this is Allah's design. Allah decided in the end that Fatiha will be one, 
Baqara will be two, Ali Imran would be three, Nisa would be four, Maida would be five. And the Sahaba only agreed to this order because they understood this to be order unanimously from the Prophet And there are lots and lots of reasons to argue in, the, in favor of that view. That it's not just some people, you know, some companions eventually decided this should be the order. This was always supposed to be the order. And this is as clear as even when I say Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen goes first and Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim goes second. Just like the ayat go in a certain order, the surahs go in a certain order. Now, what is the benefit of that? There's lots of them, but I'm going to focus on Al-Baqarah because Allah talks about Ramadan in Surah Al-Baqarah. And the thing is that just like every bone in my body has a certain place, like this bone in my finger, Allah didn't put it in my foot, and He didn't put it in my ribcage, and He didn't put it in my ear. He put it here. It's a certain size, it's a certain configuration, and it fits here, right? Allah doesn't put anything anywhere accidentally. Allah is, you know, He puts things in the most appropriate places. He put the sun exactly where it belongs, the moon exactly where it belongs. He put my eyes and my face exactly where they belong. He put every cell in my body exactly where it belongs. The same way He put the ayat of His final revelation exactly where they belong. And so He put the ayat of Ramadan exactly where they belong, which is where? In Surah Al-Baqarah. So it's, it's nice to go through the ayat of, 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 of Ramadan and say, hey, I learned something. But the question then arises, there could have been, Allah has given short surahs too, right? Surah Al-Asr is very short. There could have been a Surah Ramadan and it could have been just the ayat of Ramadan done. It's a little surah by itself. But He didn't do that. He put it here. And when Allah situates something somewhere, there has to be a reason. So this, if you will, if the subject of Ramadan is a brick or it's a wall, it belongs to a building. And that building is Surat Al-Baqarah. So the approach I'm going to take today with you is, why is this here? Why, why, are, why is the conversation about Ramadan here and not anywhere else? And where in the surah does it occur? And that will help us understand what the intention of Allah is, the, the greater intention of Allah, and what He wants us to understand about this amazing month that we celebrate for since the, since the birth of Islam, since the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ, since the revelation of these ayat, we've been celebrating Ramadan. So, and, and the Muslims were supposed to contemplate this from the very beginning. So let's take a little bit of a step back. I'll just say one quick thing about uh, Baqarah as a whole, and then we'll get into the subject matter. And that is that, the, when the Prophet ﷺ was delivering his message, you all know that he was delivering his message in Mecca and then in Medina, right? And situations would come up, and every time a situation would come up, Allah would reveal an ayah or a surah or a bunch of ayat to address that situation, right? So Allah says, وَقُرْآنًا فَرَقْنَاهُ لِتَقْرَأَهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ عَلَى مُكْثٍ in Surah Al-Isra'i says, Quran, we broke it up so you can keep reading it to the people at the right occasion, at the perfect moment. Somebody came and asked a question, ayat came down answering that question. A situation came up, Allah comments on that situation so people can understand that situation properly. So the question, the question was, well, why, why did the ayat came in a certain order, but the final design was a different order, right? Because the mission of the Prophet was a for a, it was for a limited period of time. It was for 23 years. And in that mission, things progressed a certain way and the revelation was according to the mission. But at the end of that mission, the mission, mission accomplished. 
Mission accomplished. Now we are an ummah. Now we are a civilization. And now, So now you're going to have generations of people from now until the end, born Muslim. They're not going to come and you know, be, be hear the da'wah of Islam and then finally accept Islam. Yes, new people will come. But we are now a nation by ourselves. We're not newly forming. We're not birthing as a nation. And so from here on out, there was the, the Qur'an will play a different role. The Qur'an was playing the role for guiding a mission when it was being revealed. And the Qur'an is then playing a role, among other things, guiding a nation. It's now guiding a nation. Things have changed. Now we're a nation. And it's as if Allah sees fit in His wisdom that from the end of the mission onwards, anybody who will ever pick up a copy of the Qur'an, a Muslim especially, will pick up a copy of the Qur'an, recite, he'll ask Allah for guidance in the Fatiha, and the first guidance Allah will give him is Surah Al-Baqarah. That's Allah's design. And I think about that from an education perspective. I've been in, involved in children's education, college education for a long time. And I think about what different countries do with children's education. You know, one of the things that every country does in elementary school education is they teach you national history. They teach you, uh, you know, the founding fathers. They'll teach you, you know, how the country came to be, what revolutions were fought, what wars were fought, how they won. Uh, you know, if you, if you go to a Muslim country, you might see when the Muslim, the constitution was ratified, who the great heroes were, who were, you know, in, in, in Pakistan, I, I did a couple of years of schooling in Pakistan too, they would highlight the wars we have had with India and who the great shuhada were, the pilots who died in war, etc. They would do that. But it's, why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Why are they teaching you national, why are kids learning about Abraham Lincoln or John Adams or, you know, why, why are they learning about these people in our textbooks. You know why? Because they, the idea is a nation wants to build a sense of identity and if you know about how the nation came to be you will have a sense of attachment and a sense of belonging. Oh, this is where we come from. This is why we're number one. This is what makes us a great nation. These are our heroes, right? So the history education is a kind of indoctrination actually, right? And it's, it's there to make people loyal to the country, loyal to the state loyal to the government. That's why governments have a lot of say in what goes into the curriculum, right? Now we have a loyalty to Allah. And Allah knew that Muslims are going to belong to every corner of this earth. You know, I, one of the most fascinating experiences in my life was I went to an island in Malaysia called Kota Kinabalu. I know it's fun to say. Um, and I, I, I left Kuala Lumpur, we got on a flight and we're flying, it's an island. So you're flying over and you're gonna reach that island, right? And I'm flying and I'm thinking, it was like a two, three hour flight. And I'm sitting in the plane looking outside at the ocean. And I'm like, La ilaha illallah, reach here? And when I, when I got to that island, I'm taking a, a car, it's like a village almost, most of it, right? And if you've ever been to LA, I may Allah forgive you, but if, if, you've been, if, you've been to, if you've been to LA, you've seen the Hollywood sign, right? There were, so there was a mountain and there was a laful jalala, there was a big giant word Allah on the mountain, I was like, wow, that is so cool. You know, Islam was meant to spread everywhere. And it wasn't always under the shade of an empire. But Allah knew every Muslim will be a citizen loyal to Allah Himself. Our kalima makes us loyal to Allah and then loyal to Allah's 
Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he, in his, in his perfect wisdom, saw it fit that the first thing we should get is a history education. The first thing we should get is a history. Just like every country does that, right? But Allah does His version of that, the divine version of that. You and I should get a history education. And where does that history education begin? It begins with Surah Al-Baqarah. And so, again, Al-Baqarah is 286 ayat. That's not going to happen tonight, right? So, but I do want to give you some key pointers to get to the ayat of Ramadan. The first story that will be mentioned will be the story of Adam alayhi salam. It will soon be followed, and actually I should say something before that. Before that we're going to see Allah will talk about three kinds of people, believers, disbelievers, and hypocrites. We're going to come back to that. Believers, disbelievers, and hypocrites. Then he's going to talk about the story of Adam alayhi salam. The first story of humanity. And he's going to give us a version of that, a glimpse of that story. Then as soon as that ends, he's going to talk to us about the children of Israel. And he's going to talk to us about them for a long time. This much 80, 90 ayat is dedicated to the Israelites and what they did. I thought it's our history. Wait, I thought this was supposed to be Islamic history. We're, we're supposed to be the ones that are becoming loyal citizens of the Ummah. Loyal citizens to Allah and His Messenger. Why is He giving us Jewish history in, this book, in the beginning? And then after that, he will talk to us about Ibrahim alayhi salam. Let's see if you remember. What was the first story? Adam alayhi salam. Then? The Israelites. Then? Ibrahim. Then he says, and by the way, now you're an ummah. We made you an ummah. That, the, the, the fourth story, if you will, is my story and your story. And in that comes Ramadan. Part of that is Ramadan. By the way, and I've said this in other lectures, but you guys know um, nations celebrate their independence. So they have an independence day. Nations celebrate the day on which their constitution was signed. Right? So they have a constitution day, an independent day, uh, uh, you know, freedom day, whatever day, right? Our constitution is the Quran, is it not? And it was revealed when? In Ramadan. So we don't have an independence day. We have a revelation month. You understand the concept? It's because we're actually a civilization, a nation, and a nation needs to remember its origins. And our origin is the, our origin story is the revelation of the Quran. So we celebrate it as an entire month every single year. An entire month dedicated to that celebration. But now let's go back. I said there are three groups of people Allah mentions before the stories begin. What three groups did He mention? Okay, now. Put your mind at the time of the Prophet Imagine you're there. When, he hears, when you hear about believers, you're hearing about the Sahaba around you. When you're hearing about disbelievers, who are you hearing about? You're in Medina. You're in Medina. There's Muslims around you. Those are the believers. When Allah says about the disbelievers, doesn't matter if you warn them or not, they're not going to believe, they're stubborn, etc., etc. Who are these people? The people you left behind in what city? In Mecca, the Kufar. It's about them. But then there's a third group of people. What did I say what the third group of people is? Hypocrites. And the, if you look at the openings of the, opening of the surah, the way Allah described believers, very straightforward. The way Allah described disbelievers, very straightforward. The way Allah described hypocrites, very complicated. The most detail went into hypocrites. You know why? Because they're this weird mix between believer and disbeliever. Believer on the outside, kind of disbeliever on the 
inside. It's a mix between the two. It's contaminating black and white, so it's different shades of gray, different shades of hypocrisy. It's kind of twisted. So, and it's hard to, hard to discover. It's hard to, and, and it started getting people worried. Am I one of them? Like, am I, is this talking about me? I need to worry about that. How can I just be self-confident and no, 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 I'm not from that group. Well, let's see, right? Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is that Allah spoke about hypocrites in some more detail. And then we're going to switch over. I'll, I'll, I'll connect Adam in a second. What I'm going to show you today is ayah number 8 to ayah number 16. That's my agenda. Ayah number 8 to ayah number 16. That is describing some things about hypocrites. And I'll show you something special about that. I'll, I'll give away the mystery from now. Everything Allah described about the hypocrites in 8 to 16, He repeated it or explained it in some way when He was talking about the Israelites. So He repeated it, not as hypocrites, but as Israelites. And the importance should be clear to everyone. We know what the importance is? Okay, I don't know if I'm a hypocrite or not. But there were people before me who did certain behaviors that Allah labeled, those people lost their position with Allah. They were the Muslims before us. They were the carriers of Allah's word before us. They were the followers of the Prophet before us. They were the followers of the Sharia before us. They were the Ummat, um, Ummatan Muslima before us. That's what they were. And Allah gave them celebrations like He gave us. They had days of fasting, we have days of fasting. They had a Qibla, we have a Qibla. But after showing that they didn't do their job, Allah changed the capital of Islam from Jerusalem and He changed it to where? Makkah. So we got our own capital, new capital, and we got our own you know, national uh, celebration. Right? So we're, thus you're a new nation, right? Which means they got removed from that position and we got placed in that position. That's what happens in Surah Al-Baqarah. Okay? Now, all of this, but I skipped the story of Adam alayhi won't, We won't talk about Adam in detail alayhi today. I'll talk about him tomorrow though at story night. But I'll tell you one thing about him. Of all the people in the, all the creations of Allah, Allah made one special creation that shocked the angels. Like of all the creatures you could make, that would be above everything else that deserves the sajda from all the angels which means it's a by the way sajda happens when something is incredible so this creation is so incredible that not some angels kulluhum ajma'un every single angel in existence and by the way there's way more angels than human beings right all of them across the seven skies have to perform an act of sajda to acknowledge that Allah has made the most remarkable creation of all and who's that? Adam some super special creation of God, right? And then Adam made a mistake. He made a, he made a mistake. Even though he's so awesome, he made a mistake. And then he repented from that mistake. But fast forward, he's on earth, we're on earth now, the children of Adam are on earth now. The whole story started, we were chosen above every other creation. That's how it started. When enough of the children of Adam spread, Allah dis and we, when enough children happened of Adam Salam, over thousands of years, then now we're not just children, we're actually entire different nations. So just like from all the creations, He chose one creation. That's just like that from all the nations, He chose one nation. So the first special selection was Adam. But when the children of Adam spread enough, another special selection was made, and that was the children of 
Israel. They were especially chosen. They were especially chosen by Allah. Now with that back, so there's selection and selection going on, isn't it? Okay. Again, this part I have said in previous lectures, but I'll repeat it for you. I said there are four stories I, I'm, I know you forgot. What are the four stories in Baqarah? Adam? The Israelites? Ibrahim? Us. Alright, this is really cool. Adam salam was tested. And he failed. But he repented. Which teaches us, you can fail, but you can redeem yourself. Just like at school, you can fail a test and take a makeup exam or something. Or makeup assignment or something, right? You could do that. There's a, there's a comeback possible. There's a comeback possible, okay? That's one. The Israelites were tested. And they also what? Succeeded or failed? They failed. And not only did they fail, they refused to repent. So the difference between Adam, he, he made a mistake. The Israelites, they also made mistakes. But one of them made a mistake and repented. رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا Mistake. Made a mistake. And he asked for forgiveness. When they were told, you know, ask Allah for forgiveness, we don't want to ask for apology. We're not sorry. They weren't sorry. So now Allah shows us two situations. Sometimes you're tested and you fail, but you can get you can redeem. And sometimes you're tested and you fail and you don't want to redeem yourself. You're defiant. The third story was who? Is he also tested? Huh. Test, test, test. And Ibrahim is tested harder than the, the first two. Kalimatin. And what does he do with all of his tests? He passes all of them. So now you got three scenarios. Adam scenario, Bani Israel scenario, and Ibrahim scenario. And who's the fourth one? And Allah says about us, We will test you. <laughs> What's Allah telling us? By the way, you needed those three stories because let's see which one of those three you fit in. Are you going to pass your test like who? Ibrahim salam. Are you going to fail your test and be defiant like who? Bani Israel. Or, or are you going to sometimes fail and then make istighfar like who? Adam salam. Some of our tests will pass immediately. Sometimes we mess up. And some people don't, don't want to fix their ways. And guess what? Those who don't want to fix their ways... They were called what in the beginning of the surah? Hypocrites. Those were the hypocrites. You, you understand the framework here? Okay. Now, with that framework in mind, we're going to read, what ayah's number did I tell you? 8 to 16. We're going to stop at each one. My, 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 the, my approach will be, I'll tell you what the ayah says, and then we'll look at what Allah says about the Israelites along the same lines. Okay. So the, so the, the first ayah I'll read, number 8, again, is about the hypocrites. In Medina, it's about the hypocrites. Among people are those who say we believe in Allah, we believe in the last day, but they are not believers at all in reality. They don't actually believe at all. They're saying it, but they don't really mean it. That's what Allah is saying. Okay? Let's see what Allah says about the Israelites. This is going to be ayah number 91. 91-92. When the Israelites are told in Medina, there were Israelites there too. When they were told, believe in what Allah sent down, they say, we already believe what was given to us. No thanks. I mean, you want us to believe in Quran, we have the Torah already, we don't need yours. We already got our own, we're good. And Allah says, And the fact is, they don't even believe in what they have. They disbelieve in what is behind them. 
And it is the truth confirming what is in front of them or with them. In other words, they are denying the parts of their own revelation that is confirming that Quran is the final word of Allah. They have it, they know it. In fact, you should look this up online. There are actually a few rabbis nowadays on Facebook that are scholars of uh, hadith also. Rabbis, rabbis, scholars of hadith. And they've been asked public questions. Hey, do you believe Muhammad is a prophet? They say, absolutely. Straight up on Facebook. Not even Yaktumun. Straight up. Hey, yes, he's a prophet. According to our, you know, our understanding, he is a prophet of God. Why don't you become Muslim? Well, he's just not for us. He's for everybody else. It's really cool that he's a prophet, but we are in, we're in business class. This is the economy class ticket. You know, we already have a ticket. We, we don't need this revelation. We already have our own. That's, they're open about saying it. So they say, yeah. And the way Allah answered them, I just, this is not the subject, but I gotta tell you, when Allah, when Allah gives a burn, right? Oof. Listen to this. So they said, we already believe, right? Here's how Allah responds. Listen to this. He says, So why did you kill so many Israelite prophets if you're actually believers? You believe in what you have. And in your own book, you admit that you killed many what? Prophets. It's an interesting kind of iman, killing prophets. But Allah didn't stop there. Okay, okay, prophets, maybe you didn't think of them as too high because they're just, you know, later prophets. But your ultimate prophet, your savior from the Pharaoh. Who's your savior from the Pharaoh? Musa. The next ayah. وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مُوسَى بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ ثُمَّ اتَّخَذْتُمُ الْعِجْلَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ And by the way, forget about other prophets, your own, your savior. Musa came to you with clear evidences and you ended up worshipping a golden calf. Knowingly. Uh, you, did you just say you believe already in what you have? This is what iman looks like? This is an interesting iman. Okay, okay, you know what? Okay, Musa is just human, right? So it's okay. Let's take it, let's take it up a notch. Let's take your iman to the test up a notch. What Allah said next? وَإِذَا خَذْنَا مِثَاقَكُمْ وَرَفَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُّورِ خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةٍ وَاسْمَعُوا قَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا In the next ayah Allah says, oh, by the way, there was a time where Allah Himself raised a mountain above you and told you Himself, hold on to the revelation I've given you with all your might. And you said, we hear and we disobey. So you, you killed prophets, you defied Musa. Oh, what's that? Forget defying Musa, you even defied who? Allah Himself. Allah Himself. And then, he sa then Allah says, Wow, some pretty horrible things your faith tells you to do if in fact you're faithful. That's some faith you got there. What did the hypocrites say when they were told, believe? They said, they actually say, we believe in Allah and what was sent down. And Allah says, they don't actually believe. Do you see that being echoed with the Israelites? Right? Thousands of years before them? Now the next one. This is the ninth ayah now. The second description of the hypocrites. They're trying to deceive Allah and those who believe. And they're only successful at deceiving who? Themselves. And they, ha they don't even know. They think they're doing something wrong to Allah and those who believe. They're only deceiving themselves. Talking about the Israelites, later on in ayah 57, Allah says, They weren't doing any harm to us, any wrong to us. They were only harming and wronging themselves.
He echoes the, the, the attitude of the hypocrites with the Israelites. In the 10th ayah, Listen to the words carefully. In the, hip, in, the hip, in the hearts of the hypocrites, there's a disease. And then Allah says, Allah made the disease increase. The virus got worse. The disease intensified. Right? So there's talking about a disease. Not only there's a disease, it gets worse. Talking about the Israelites, Allah says, ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ذَلِكَ فَهِيَ كَالْحِجَارَةِ أَوْ أَشَدُّ قَسْوَةِ He says, your hearts became hard like stone, talking to the Israelites. They became like stone or even harder than stone. Just like he said to the hypocrites, there's a disease, it increases. Stone even harder than stone. Do you see a parallel happening? In the 11th ayah, when they're told, don't cause facade, don't cause corruption in the, in the region, in the land. Don't do that. And then Allah says, They're the ones causing corruption. That was the hypocrites. What did Musa السلام, tell them? What did Allah even tell them? Don't go around in the world causing corruption. And in the very next ayah, after Allah, Musa told them, don't go around causing corruption. In the next ayah about the Israelites, Allah says, وَإِذْ قُلْتُمْ يَا مُوسَىٰ لَنْ نَصْبِرَ عَلَىٰ طَعَامٍ وَاحِدٍ We can't just have one kind of food. Give us all these other kinds of food. And then at the end of it, Allah says, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا يَكْفُرُونَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ وَيَقْتُلُونَ النَّبِيِّينَ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْا وَكَانُوا يَعْتَدُونَ Listen to what the Israelites used to do. They were told, don't cause corruption. And the next ayah, what did they do? They used to kill the prophets of Allah. They used to deny, they denied the revelations of Allah. And they used to disobey Allah and cross all kinds of, make all kinds of haram halal for themselves. That's what they used to do. Isn't that the definition of causing corruption? By the way, they caused that corruption, but considered themselves what? We already saw. What did they consider themselves? Believers. And the hypocrites were told, don't cause corruption. They said, no, 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 we're the ones making things right. We're the good ones here. We're the heroes here. Now look at ayah number, that was 11 and 12. Now let's look at ayah number 13. When, the, when hypocrites are told, why don't you believe the way other people believe? Why don't you believe like others believe? Why don't you, the hypocrites are told, why can't you believe like Abu Bakr believes? Why can't you believe like Umar believes? Why can't you believe like Uthman believes? Why can't you believe like Zubair believes? There's so many examples around you they're following what the Prophet is teaching. Why are you having such a hard time? You have plenty of good examples around you, a support system around you. And they say, nah, you want, you want us to be like these fools? Abu Bakr, really? He used to have such a good business in Mecca. Look at him, he's homeless. They're refugees now. You want us to be refugees like them? Aman al-Sufaha? This is how they would talk about the Sahaba. <laughs> these, these, these are your good examples. Can you give me some better good examples, please? So they called them Sufaha. And what does Allah say to the Israelites? Just like they were told, be like others who believe, the Israelites were told in the Quran, Why don't you make ruku' the way all the others are making ruku'? And when the qibla was changed, when the qibla was changed, they were the idiots, Allah says, they were, they were the fools who said, an What turned them away from their qibla? In other words, they're like, now we have to change, we have to be like them if we want to stay on the same religion. This is a subtle thing, but I'm going to kind of take a minute to explain it to you. The, the Rasul of Allah 
before the, the instruction to pray towards the Kaaba was revealed, he used to pray towards what? Pr towards Jerusalem, okay? And, but when he was in Mecca, some narrations tell us that he had such a love for the Kaaba because he knew it's the house built by Ibrahim salam, he used to pray behind the Kaaba so he could face Jerusalem and Kaaba at the same time. You understand? But when he moved to Medina salam, then if to, in order to face Jerusalem, he had to put his back to the Kaaba. Because now he's in between uh, the Kaaba and Jerusalem. He's in between. So he can only face one of them now. And so, because he was still not told he can pray towards the Kaaba, he was still praying towards Jerusalem. And this used to hurt the Prophet's feelings, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, we'll leave that aside for a moment. Just another thing. The Israelites, even now on Facebook, will tell you he's a Prophet of Allah. Guess what Allah tells us about the, the Israelites who were living in Medina? Did they recognize that he's the Prophet of Allah? Yes. Yes. But when they saw him pray towards Jerusalem, it felt kind of good. Okay, we're not accepting him, but he's still, I mean, he's accepting our capital. So we're still kind of, kind of legit still. Right? We're not going to openly accept him, but Allah ain't that mad because he's still praying towards Jerusalem. And then Allah reveals what? Pray towards the Kaaba. Now the thing is, if the Israelites don't believe in Islam, don't believe in this prophet, they think this prophet is a liar, they shouldn't care. Whether he prays towards the east, the west, the south, or the north, what do you care? It's not your religion. Whether he even prays at all, why does it bother you? And in Surah Al-Baqarah, they come around and say, They come out, get offended, they get hurt, they say, what made them turn the direction they used to pray in, that they used to keep praying with? How come they're turning direction? What's this? And in doing this, they gave away that they were actually accepting of the Prophet internally. <laughs> and this was just a show of defiance. Hi, Assalamu alaikum. You're so cute. I can't concentrate anymore. <laughs> Give me five. Are you gonna stay there? I got. You, you, who, who's, who's, is that, is that, oh, it's your friends, okay. So who's father of the year over here? Okay, that's you, it's okay, very good. She's so cute, mashallah, love protector. That's your baba. Yeah, I, I believe my kid's gonna do that soon. He's a, he's a little small, he's in the corner over there. But yeah, mashallah, mashallah. Okay, what was I saying? Something about Islam? It's changing of the car. The subject changed direction, right? <laughs> So now, another parallel between the, the, the hypocrites and the Israelites. Then we're almost done. This is the 14th ayah now talking about the hypocrites. When they meet believers, they say, we believe just like you guys do. But when they have their own secret meetings, they say, we were just kidding. We we're just joking around. We're not really with them. So they have double loyalties, right? Allah calls them out for their secret hangouts and says, you know, Allah doesn't need security cameras. Allah sees everything. So He makes their secret hangout public. What do we find among the Israelites? أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ 
Allah says, when they meet the Israelites, the Israelites meet with you and say, hey, you talk about Adam too? We have Adam too. Wait, you talk about, you're, you're talking about, you know, Moses? We got, we got Moses. We're the same. We're, let's have an interfaith. We're basically the same. We're, we have the same faith. We don't need to convert. We're already pretty much the same thing. You know? And then, some of them would hear the, the Qur'an and they'd say, Hey, last Saturday when I was at, you know, at the synagogue, I heard some of this stuff and it's very similar. You guys are telling us things we didn't even know about our Prophet, but it's, I think we should talk more. And then they'd go back to their own posse and they'd say, What did you say? Did you go tell them you have things in common with them? Don't give up internal secrets. These are company secrets. They're going to use that against you later. When you talk to the Muslims, don't open your mouth about what you know. If you hear something familiar from your book, shh. Listen, if you talk to them about this stuff on judgment day, they might use it against you and say, hey, they knew. So they got told. May Allah bring khair. Okay. They got told, you need to keep your mouth shut. But when you meet them, Allah says, when they meet them, they say, we believe just like you. Who said that already in Medina? The hypocrites said, Allah said about the hypocrites, when they meet the believers, they say, we also believe. Echoing the same exact attitude. Allahu yastahzi'u bihim wa yamudduhum fi tughyanihim ya'mahoon. Allah says, Allah is mocking the hypocrites. And He lets them go further and further in their disobedience. Listen to this one carefully. One of the punishments of Allah is He lets hypocrites keep going further and further and further in their rebellion. You guys familiar with the story of the cow in Surah Al-Baqarah? When, when Musa commanded them, Inna Allah ya'murukum an baqarah, Allah is telling you to slaughter a cow. What was the first re reaction they had? You know what they had? They said, Atattakhiduna huzua. What did the hypocrites say? Anahnu mustahzi'un. Allahu mustahzi'u bihim. And what did Allah do with the, the Israelites who said, Oh, what kind of cow? What color cow? Did Allah stop it or Allah kept, kept them going? You know what that is? That's a tafsir of Yamudduhum fi tughyanihim ya'mahun. That's what He did with them. He showed the hypocrites are doing this, but Allah already showed us a story where how that plays out, what that looks like. And that's the story of the cow. And so finally, about the hypocrites, Allah says, those are the people who sold guidance in exchange for misguidance. They, they, were, they sold out the religion that was given to them, the truth that was given to them, in exchange for anything else that was misguidance. And that sale, that business deal, did not produce any profit for them. What does Allah say about the Israelites? He says, They they sold off their, their salvation in the next life for this life. They made a sale, the hypocrites made a sale, the Israelites made a sale. And by the way, when the Israelites were described as making a sale, it was about them killing each other. They would call themselves one ummah and still kill each other. And then Allah said, look how they sold their religion. Look at how they sold their afterlife for this life. Now, why did I share all of this with you? All of this to show you that the hypocrites are actually being compared with the example of the Israelites. And if you look at the entire 
record of the Israelites in Surah Al-Baqarah, you come away with a few things. You come away with a few lessons. The most important lesson is that they detached themselves. They had no original connection with their book. They had no direct connection with their book. وَمِنْهُمْ أُمِّيُّونَ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ الْكِتَابَ إِلَّا أَمَانِي وَإِنْهُمْ إِلَّا يَظُنُّونَ The vast majority of them are uneducated people, uneducated in the religion. They don't know the book except their own assumptions, their own wishful thoughts. They only make assumptions. إِنْهُمْ إِلَّا يَظُنُّونَ So they have no real knowledge of the revelation that was given to them. Commenting on this attitude, meaning they had a, they had a very... Okay, they believe in the book, they recite the book, they celebrate the book, they listen to it, they chant it, but they don't actually think about it. They don't think about what's being said. And if they thought about it, they would know this is the Prophet of Allah, and they should change their ways. Right? That, that would be the case. And Allah is basically warning that there's what happened before where people called themselves believers, but they had an artificial relationship with Allah's revelation. Now, let me ask you again, what was the first story? Adam السلام, was told, by the way, I'm sending you to the earth. Listen, I'm sending you on the earth. If and when any guidance comes from me, whoever follows it will have no fear on them, nor shall be, be the ones in depression and in grief. Allah told Adam السلام, guidance will be coming. And who received full on guidance? The Israelites. And then they took that guidance and instead of following it, they made their relationship with that guidance artificial. Let me just tell you what an artificial relationship looks like. Imagine there's a sign that says, you know, Maryland is 250 miles that way. There's a sign. What's the purpose of that sign? That if you're going to Maryland, that helped you and you can go. Right? Some of you look at that sign and say, wait, I need to analyze. What color is that? What material did they make the sign with? What's the font? Is that Helvetica? Is that Ariel? And you're, you're, you're standing there, you're staring at the sign, discussing all these details about the sign. Guess what you're missing? The point! What was the point? Go to Maryland! It's that way! The sign says, danger, do not enter. Right? And you're like, wow, that skull looks really cool. What's that? Let me, let me trace that. I want to take a picture of it. You're standing, and it says danger, keep away. And you're right in its face like, wow. Now you have a really deep relationship with that sign. But it's kind of, you have a, a senseless, a mindless relationship with the message of the sign. You understand? Do you, do you, do you understand what I'm getting at? Allah gave them a book, and the book became used for ceremonies, for weddings, for birthdays, for, for, for funerals. The book got used for special occasions. The book got used on special re religious uh, seasons. The book was recited beautifully. Some parts of it were memorized. Parties were thrown when you memorized it. That was, that was the book. But the nation openly was violating left, right, and center what the book was actually saying. Openly. While saying, we love this book. Man, the way it sounds is so beautiful. I memorized like half of it. Wow, mashallah. You memorized half? That's amazing. Now, I'm, am, I, am I really talking about the Israelites? Sounds scary, huh? 
Sounds scary. Allah is telling us, this is what they did and their hearts became hard. And then He gave us the month of Ramadan. And said about the month of Ramadan, Unzila fihi al-Qur'an. By the way, when he talked about fasting, it's interesting, he connected fasting to the Israelites. Did you know that? He said, Fasting was mandated on you just like it was for the people before you. They used to have fast too. So whenever we're thinking about our religion, in the backdrop, in the backdrop is actually the people who came before us. And Surah Al-Baqarah made sure that we think like that. That was one of the objectives of Surah Al-Baqarah. So now we're made a new nation. Our Qibla is changed. By the way, the third test was who? The third test. Is Adam's test, Israelite test, and then what's the third test? Good, Ibrahim Alayhi test. And Ibrahim Alayhi is interesting, he passes all his tests. And then he's got the special status with Allah because he passed all these tests. And then he makes a dua. And he makes the dua that, Ya Allah, with my son Ismail, from his descendants, there should be one messenger that comes, who reads your revelations, who teaches them the book, who teaches them wisdom, and he purifies them. From the line of Ismail, who came? Muhammad Rasulullah came, sallallahu And when he was given, Yatlu alihim ayatihi, when did that, which month did that begin in? So actually Ramadan is a celebration of the answer to the dua of Ibrahim Ramadan is finally when Allah answered the dua of Ibrahim And what does Ibrahim remind you of when it comes to tests? Don't fail. Don't fail. Pass with flying colors. Right? Atamma The words are really cool. Allah tested him and he perfected, completed all the tests. And guess where Atamma comes again? Allah is talking about Ramadan. He says, uh, What's the ayah? The, the synonym for it. Complete the count of the months. Complete the counts. And Ibrahim salam declared, you know, in his, uh, in his story, if you know the story of Ibrahim salam, he was showing people how dumb it is to worship the sun and the moon. And he would say, Hada Rabbi, Hada Akbar. And what do we do at the end of Ramadan? Now you do takbir. You do takbir. <laughs> we are celebrating something that started with Adam. We are being warned not to turn the celebration into what who turned it into? The Israelites. And we are being reminded to keep the spirit of Ibrahim alive in the month of Ramadan. The only way we can do that is we develop a genuine relationship with this book. Every single individual develops a genuine relationship with this book. So the last few minutes that I'm going to share with you, I'll talk to you about what some of the components of that. What does that look like? The thing is, you cannot think now about the Qur'an without thinking about Ibrahim salam. It's impossible. And you can't actually think even, I'll take it a step further, you can't think about the seerah of the Prophet without always, who's in the background always? Ibrahim The entire fight in Makkah is about destroying the idols. Why? Why not have this fight somewhere in, you know, in, in uh, the Philippines where they have Buddhist temples? Why is this fight happening in Makkah in the middle of a desert? What is the significance of this place? 
This was originally a masjid. This was not a temple. This was a masjid. Masjid built by who? Ibrahim Rasul is being kicked out of Mecca because he's trying to restore the legacy of Ibrahim Rasul goes to Medina and his heart is bleeding because he's not facing the Kaaba. And when he's facing the Kaaba, just think about that. When he was facing the Kaaba, and the Sahaba were now facing the Kaaba, is it, would it hurt you to know today that you're facing the Kaaba, but around the Kaaba there are idols? Would it hurt you to know that? Wouldn't you want, every Salah, wouldn't it be a reminder that I exist to one day destroy those idols? Wouldn't that be a reminder? When the Sahaba were making Salah towards the Kaaba, were their idols still there? Every Salah was a reminder that mission not yet accomplished. Because what's the mission? And then Surah Al-Baqarah, which is early Madani, Allah even revealed Atimul Hajja wal Umrata Lillah, complete Hajj. You don't do Hajj in Medina, where do you do Hajj? In Makkah. And Makkah is in the control of the enemy. The Makkah is in control of the idol worshippers. When Allah says complete Hajj, He's actually clearly telling the Muslims, listen, you're gonna finish what Ibrahim started. And by the way, when we complete Hajj, we sacrifice the animal. Whose sunnah is it to sacrifice the animal? Right? Everything goes back to Ibrahim This entire religion, that's why it's called Billata Abikum Ibrahim, the religion of your father Ibrahim. That's why his test is at the center, the one who passed all the tests. That's why that's there. So what does that mean for all of us? One thing about Ibrahim I'll highlight. Ibrahim followed the truth no matter who didn't like it. When he was a young man, his dad didn't like it. When he was a little bit older, his society didn't like it. And he stood by the truth no matter if everybody in the world hated him and were okay with throwing him into a fire, that's okay, I'm not letting go of what I believe. I stand by what, I'm not afraid of my culture, I'm not afraid of my peers, I'm not afraid of people that are more powerful than me, I'm not afraid of my family, I will stand against anyone in my loyalty to Allah. What does the loyalty to Allah look like today? The loyalty to Allah, now that the Qur'an came, is loyalty to the book of Allah. Why? Allah Himself describes it. You've all heard the phrase, وَاَعْتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا Right? Hold on to Allah's rope. You know what the synonym for that phrase is in the Qur'an? وَاَعْتَصِمُوا بِاللَّهِ As though they're one thing. Hold on to Allah and hold on to the rope of Allah. What's the rope of Allah? The Qur'an is one thing. Like Ibrahim was loyal to his Rabb, we can only show loyalty to our Rabb by being loyal to what? The Qur'an. Now, we don't have idol worshippers to fight like Ibrahim Ain't nobody throwing us in a fire. But let me give you a reality check. Allah says, لَا تَأْكُلُوا أَمْوَالَكُمْ بَيْنَكُمْ Right, by the way, right after the ayat of Ramadan, Allah says, don't eat each other, don't consume each other's money using lies. Don't use, a lawyer, don't use a lawyer to win a case which you know you stole the money, but you got a good liar and got away with it. Don't do that. Don't be biased when it comes to distributing the inheritance so you can get more of the share and you know you don't deserve it. That's coming right after Ramadan, there are financial instructions. Right after. Allah says, eat whatever, you know, whatever's on the earth, halal and tayyibah. There's such a long list. I, if, you, if you search right now, halal in this area. Fine. Halal, zabiha, extra halal, 
extra zabiha. We even recite all of Surah Al-Baqarah on our chicken before we slaughter it, etc. etc. Super halal. When we think of halal, what do we think of? How was it slaughtered? That's what we think of. Is anybody thinking about how do you make the money? You bought really halal chicken with really haram money. <laughs> Is that halal? You know what we've done? We have partial loyalty to the Book of Allah. When it, when it comes to money matters, partial loyalty to the Book of Allah. When it comes to cultural matters, partial loyalty to the Book of Allah. And then we say that we are the Ummah of Muhammad Wasallam. When you mindfully, when I mindfully read the Qur'an, and then I look at myself, I look at my family, I look at my culture, I say, whoa, whoa, something is off. Something is way off. What's going on here? What is going on here? Like Allah, for example, will talk about taking care of the orphans. For example, the only orphans we take care of are the ones that show up on a brochure. The only orphans we take care of is a crisis video somewhere far away on a... Do you know the orphans in your neighborhood? You know the orphans in this masjid? You know the... How, how, when was the last time you spoke to the orphans in your own family? There are some orphans in your family. Some kids lost their parents. When was the last time you connected with them? You think when the Sahaba were reading the ayat about orphans, they were looking up who to, who to save thousands of miles away first or in their immediate vicinity? When, when Allah is talking, and this was recent because it's in my mind because I was just teaching Surah Al-Talaq. In Surah Al-Talaq, Allah says, when you divorce a woman, do not kick her out of her house. For three months or three cycles, you cannot expel her from the house. The most, uh, the most populated part of the Muslim world, the most, the most Muslims in the world are between South Asia and Southeast Asia. That's the most dense population of human beings and also the most dense population of Muslims in the world. When a woman gets divorced typically in that region, the husband calls uh, the, the lady's father and says, hey, come take your daughter, I'm done. Allah says, لا تخرجوهن تلك حدود الله those are limits set by Allah. And no, 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 but I have, I'm done with her. I said, come take your daughter. Or the woman says, I'm not going to put up with this. I'm out. Allah says, La and they shouldn't leave. Allah says to the women, they shouldn't leave. When I say we have to have a genuine relationship with the book of Allah, we have to have loyalty to the book of Allah because Ibrahim showed loyalty to Allah. What I'm saying is our loyalty to Allah is our loyalty to the book of Allah. How are you going to be loyal to this book? You don't even know what it talks about. How are you going to do that? There's no excuse. It doesn't matter if you weren't raised learning it. It doesn't matter that you, you, you just never didn't have a chance. It doesn't matter if you're a surgeon or you're in medical school, you're a cab driver, you're running an Uber, you're running a restaurant, you're busy, you're busy, you're busy. Ain't nobody too busy to nourish themselves with water. I am too busy, I didn't drink for three days. Nobody was too busy for that. Because it's nourishment. Your body needs nourishment, you never say you're too busy. Your ruh, your qalb needs nourishment. How can you say you're too busy? How can I say I'm too busy? Ramadan is a time to remind ourselves that the body can wait. It can wait. It's time to reconnect with the word of Allah. Reconnect. So yes, ta'abbudan, we're gonna recite the Quran. But man, can you restore the legacy of Ibrahim and the original purpose of Ramadan and not have an artificial relationship and let that begin even from now and take it into hyperdrive during Ramadan. 
every one of you should have a goal that you're going to read the Quran mindfully. I don't care which translation. We're not, I'm not going to do a QA with which translation should you read the worst translation on the planet. I don't care. Read the Quran. Ask questions about the Quran. What does Allah mean here? What's he talking about here? I don't get this. I don't get this. Have a whole notebook about your conversation with God. And what is he saying? I want to know more about what he's saying. You are so... People hear a, a, a press release. People hear election news. And then they want to hear somebody explain. What, was that? what does that mean? What does that mean for the economy? What does that mean for interest rates? What does that mean for house prices? What does that mean for this? They want to get the full scope. Here God Himself is speaking, and you're like, there's no desperation. I, what does that mean? I want to know what this means. I need to understand this better. Develop that thirst. Develop that thirst. I, I want to redevelop that thirst for myself this Ramadan. I want you to have that thirst this Ramadan. Yes, it's a month of fasting. Yes, it's a month of ibadah. Yes, it's a month of tahajjud. Yes, it's a month of dua. But all of that stuff is actually there to reinforce the core, the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is, this book came as a guidance in this month. So seek guidance in this book all over again. Every year, renew your connection to Allah. Renew your connection to the Qur'an. That's what it was supposed to be. That, that, that was the objective. So let's put everything else as secondary and this as primary. This is, I'm not saying you have to complete the entire Qur'an in Ramadan and understand everything. But even if you tell yourself, this year, this Ramadan, Baqarah. This Ramadan, Baqarah. And even if you got through 20 ayat of Al-Baqarah in all of Ramadan, no problem. I got until next Ramadan to finish. Take your time. Take your time with Baqarah, take a whole year, no problem. This time well spent. Time spent with the word of Allah is time well spent. And then next year, take on Surah Al-Imran. And then the year after that, let's get, let's get started with An-Nisa. Why follow this order? Because this is Allah's order. This is Allah's design. There's a curricular design. So let Him coach you through the whole thing. Let Him coach you through His guidance. Let Him coach you through His speech. So th this is just the, the, the message that I wanted to share with you and put things in perspective. And with this background in mind, I tell you, I can promise you, if you spend the next couple of weeks even just reading Surah Al-Baqarah with some of the background pointers that I've shared with you, you'll see things I didn't even mention. You'll notice things that I didn't talk about. And they'll pop out at you. And they'll give you insight and appreciation into what Allah is saying. May Allah make this month a month in which we are reconnected to His words like we've never been before in our entire lives. May Allah make this a month that He turns our hearts and our minds towards Him in sincerity and clarifies our understanding of this deen and gives us the courage to stand up against our own selves, stand up against our cultural practices, stand up against anything that is not loyal to the word of Allah. May Allah make us truly loyal to His word like He told the Israelites, "Awfu bi'ahdi, ufi bi'ahdikum. Fulfill, my pro fulfill the promise I'm taking from you, I'll make my promise to, to you complete too. Do your part, I'll do my part. That's what Allah told the Israelites. It's through them Allah is telling us that. So may Allah Azza wa make us of those who fulfill our, the, our part of the agreement and Allah fulfills His promise and gives us the victory that we so badly want. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Hey, so instead of a, here, here's my philosophy on QA sessions. They're so deflating. Like, I, it's, you end on a high note and then you have a QA, so I have a question. What do you say about nail polish? Like, come on.
Come on. So I don't, I don't like the QA sessions like that. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hang around here for about 20, 30 minutes. I'll give about, because the, the ladies are in the, in the back, so I'll just be in the middle. And I'll just have as many conversations as I can with as many of you before I go. I got to check on the status of my baby too, because he, he was in here and it was pretty sweaty. So I got to check on that too. But uh, thank you so very much for attending. I'll just be right here in the middle. We'll have some conversations. Jazakumullah khair. Jazakumullah khair. Ustaz Nu'man Ali Khan. Barakallah feek. May Allah reward you immensely. Sponsored again by Africa Relief. Uh, check out the booth on the side. <laughs>